the next five weeks, what we're going to do is cover five different themes of disciples that actually fall underneath what I think it means to live, right? So we start with rest, we move into this segment of live. Live is a lot broader than what some of us think it is, and then we get to work. And so it might be a shock to some of you that there is more to living in Christ than church attendance. It's not just about showing up on a Sunday. There is so much more that God has for us in relationship with Him and with others. So the next five weeks, we're going to talk about abiding in prayer, about reading the Scripture, about listening to the Spirit, about practicing our faith, and about forgiving as we're forgiven. And then the the last week, we're going to talk about working with God. So today, we are going to abide in prayer. A few weeks ago, when I started this series off, I mentioned that the Bible isn't the first step in our discipleship plan, you know, because I said, like, some people, well, just tell people to go to church and read their Bibles, and, and I actually want to slow down and explain a little bit more why the Bible isn't the first step, and you might be like, Greg, I thought we were talking about prayer, but I, I think that this is a precursor, why we have to explain this, because some people, they're not comfortable with the idea that the Bible isn't the very first thing that you should jump into in this plan, and so I want to explain a little bit more, because I love the Bible. I, I've been reading the Bible my entire life, and over the years, I have come to understand it differently, more deeply, with new kinds of beauty and compassion, with more grace and hope. But the Bible doesn't come first in this plan, so why? We have the option of having the Bible with us, 100 versions of it, at all times, in all places. So post-enlightenment, okay? If you know a little bit about history, post-enlightenment, the position of prayer in the life of a believer has been replaced by the reading of Scripture. Post-enlightenment, we've become so focused on what I can know. What can I learn? I think, therefore, I am. We go, what can I, I have this now so I should read it all the time. But this has not always been the case because the Bible as we understand it isn't something that even existed until relatively recently. I don't mean the books of the Bible. The books of the Bible were, were decided, the order of them, which ones were con- considered canonical and all that, relatively early. So that's not what I'm, I'm talking about, the ability to have the whole Bible available to us at all times is a relatively new concept. First Bible in English is only 638 years old. You may be like, oh, that's, that's really old. That's been forever. Well, my grandmother died at 97, just five of her lifetimes. It's not that long ago. 600, the first Bible in English is only 638 years old, and when it got translated into English, you couldn't get it. You couldn't get it because the printing press hadn't been invented yet. That didn't happen for another 71 years after that in 1455. And it's true that when the Gutenberg Press was created, the first book printed was the Bible. It was. They printed between 150 and 180 copies, depending on which source you read. And then it took them between three and five years to print those copies, depending on which source you read. This is fascinating. They were printing, guys, you ready for how quick this was happening? 
between two and a half and five copies of the Bible per month. But they were all in Latin. Anyone speak Latin? It was the 1520s, 500 years ago, before a German or an English version of the New Testament would be printed. And another 10 years after that, before the full Bible would be printed in English. Right now, there are as many as 6 billion, with a B, copies of the Bible in the world. It's been translated into over 3,300 languages. There are 100 million copies of the Bible printed every single year. When the printing press was created, there was only 430 million people on the earth. Think about it. Right now, you can go to a thrift shop, to Goodwill, to Salvation Army, and get a copy of the Bible for a quarter. But in the 1500s, there was maybe thousands, at most hundreds of thousands, of the copy of the Bible in English, German, Latin, Hebrew, Greek. They started expanding as they got further into the 1500s. And back then, because of supply and demand, a copy of the Bible could cost as much as, ready for this, ten dollars to $20,000 in today's money. When the Bible started being translated out of Greek and Hebrew and Latin and into English and German for the first time, even if you could afford it, you'd have to be able to read it. See, because the literacy rate when this was happening, just guesses. Liter across the board, what was the literacy rate in the 1500s? Guess. 10%. 11%. Now, now, remember, different time, different era. Among women, the literacy rate was 1% because they would not teach women to write or read. So even if you could afford a Bible, you had to be able to read it. It had to be in a language that you could read. A lot of people were left out of the opportunity to read from the Scriptures. Really, most people, the only place that you could hear the Bible was if it was read at a public service. And that's if you lived close enough to a church. And if that church read the passage in a common language, you spoke because many churches up to that point read all of the passages in Latin, whether you spoke Latin or not. I think you're starting to get, get the point. In the absence of access to the Scriptures, there's an easy answer to this question. What do you do? In the absence of an access to the Scriptures, what do you do? Will you do what every believer every generation has ever done. You pray. Because prayer is timeless. Prayer is limitless. It's remarkable. Prayer is priceless, yet accessible to everyone, the rich and the poor, every social class, to the illiterate and the elitist alike. Prayer knows no borders or boundaries and draws no linguistic lines. Because God, 
is fluent in every language we speak. In a couple of weeks on uh, November 1st on All Saints Day, um, it will have been 22 years since my grandpa Buddy died. And uh, to, <laughs> to have known my grandpa Buddy was to have known like kind of a godlike event. He was not boring. Yeah? He had personality and... He wasn't, in my understanding, he wasn't always a great person. He was not, as far as I know, a religious person. But in his last months, when his dementia had gotten really bad, when he could barely speak a sentence, uh, for years and years and years he had smoked pipes and, and cigars, and when he got dementia, when he started developing that, he forgot that, and so he stopped. But it, damage had already been done to his mouth, so when, by the time he was put into a care facility... Uh, he had always had these big mutton chops, and they, sh- they shaved his face, and they pulled his teeth, and they, they buzzed his head. And so, in a way, he didn't look like himself at all. There was all of his personality, all the external personality that my grandpa had had kind of been stripped away from him as dementia. Just wreaked havoc, right? But... We went to see him in this care facility, and I was concerned about, oh, does he, about his knowledge of God. And I remember taking my guitar and sitting in his room and playing him a song. I don't remember which one. And then I asked him, I said, Grandpa, do you know God? <laughs> Just such a funny question for me to ask my grandpa if you knew my grandpa. Um, and he taught me something that I'll never forget. I said, Grandpa, do you know God? And him being barely able to speak in full sentences, he says, oh, he says, oh yeah, I talk to God every day. (laughs) He says, we don't speak the same language, but I understand every word he says. When you read the book of John, John uses this word abide 21 times across his 21 chapters, but 11 of those are found within six verses when Jesus is teaching about what it will mean to stay connected to him. This word abide in the Greek means to remain, to settle, to take up lodging, to rest, to continue, to stay, to abide. So listen, in this plan, prayer comes before reading the scriptures because none of us were born with the ability to read. And some of us will die having lost some of our faculties. And yet, Jesus will still understand every word and somehow will know how to communicate with us in a way that we understand the language that he speaks. Prayer is something that truly holds no boundaries, truly has no borders. Because we don't just learn how to pray, guys. We settle. We dwell. We remain 
we abide in prayer. So no matter how much of the Bible that you've read, you will always be able to pray from cradle to grave. So let's keep that in mind as we move forward with the time that we have left. If you'd like to open your Bibles, I'm going to read verses from four different places, from 1 Thessalonians 5, from Ephesians 6, Philippians 4, and John 15. You can pick one of those if you'd like. Um, If you're a true... uh, Bible sword warrior, you'll find all four right now. Some of you know what that means. <laughs> sword drills. I grew up in a church where they called it sword drills, where you'd hold up your Bible and they'd say, here's a verse, and then you had to find it as quick as you could, and whoever won was the best Christian. <laughs> all right, so uh, we have a tradition, uh, if, if, if you'd like to join us. Uh, of standing as we read the scriptures as we are, are able. And, and so I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians 5, Ephesians 6, Philippians 4, and John 15. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 17 says this plainly and simply Rejoice at all times, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Philippians 4, 5, and 7. Let your gentleness be apparent to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love, or abide in my love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the scriptures, that we have them, that we can hold them. We thank you that even if we did not have this available in our hands, that we could still pray to you. I pray that whatever you have for us to learn today, to remember today, to be impressed upon us today, that it would become a part of the framework of our faith, that our faith would become stronger, that we would become more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, y'all. I can have a seat. All right, so, so far this morning, we've already prayed in numerous ways, in at least four different ways. Have you noticed? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Augustine said, the one who sings prays twice. So, We've prayed already through each of the songs that we sang with different focuses, with with different ideas, with different hopes. We have prayed through those songs. We prayed congregationally. We do this every single week, either through the prayer for rest or live or work. We we say the the, Our Father, the Lord's Prayer uh, monthly together. So we've prayed congregationally, audibly, and in unison. Together we've prayed interceding on behalf of our neighborhood. And then we've prayed for understanding through the scriptures. We've only been here for 45 minutes, and we have prayed in at least four different ways. But what do we do when we leave this building? Right? When, when, when you don't show up for a service that has structure and someone going, okay, these are the exact things that we're going to do, what do you do when you're off on your own, because prayer is something that we're meant to be bathed in, but prayer isn't a bathtub that you get in at a place. Does that make sense? Like, prayer is like, 
an atmosphere that's meant to move with you. Jesus said, abide in me. That Jesus is not in one place. Dwell in me. Settle. Continue in me. And so when we leave this place, the opportunity to pray is meant to continue, not meant to be confined to a prayer that we pray after the songs that we sing and pray. Hmm. So Paul said that we can pray at all times, on all occasions, without ceasing. But I also know that that can sound intimidating. Like some of us think that we have no clue how to pray. Um, so with the time that we have left, that I want to get real practical, okay? Um, this is not something, I'm, I'm not like the practical guy sometimes in my sermons. I, I just said, so I'm going to try to be practical um, because I could preach and I could break down words and cultures and contexts and I could exegete and offer hermeneutical ideas, but I don't think that, that a sermon on what prayer is will actually do much for us as much as us practicing what prayer is. Um, because <laughs> in addition to that, I don't, I'd be surprised if many of us actually have to be convinced that prayer is important. I think for most of it, it's, it's, it is just getting past the line of thinking that we can do it. Um, so today, uh, we're going to be full-on practical. So with the time we have left, I'm going to teach you three prayer practices that you can use almost anywhere and almost anytime. And I say almost because you'll see. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Richard Foster, in his book on prayer, said this, Today the heart of God is inviting you and me to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home to that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. He invites us into the living room of his heart where we can put on old slippers and share freely. He invites us into the kitchen of his friendship where chatter and batter mix in good fun. He invites us into the dining room of his strength. So here we go. Our first practice is called hands up, hands down. And so the first step of this is to sit in your chair in a way that will help you, in particular, pay attention. So for some of us, that's going to be leaning back. For some of us, it's going to be sitting forward on our chair. And we're all going to start getting settled into that now. So sit in a way that you feel this is the way that I best pay attention. Let's take a moment and just give everybody a chance to move around, maybe wiggle a little bit. Okay, the next thing is to place your hands comfortably on your knees with your palms down. And ideally, if you're comfortable, I would encourage you to go ahead and close your eyes because some of this includes your imagination. So thinking back to what Richard Foster said, and you don't always have to do this, but I think it would be helpful Today, imagine yourself in the living room of God's heart. Or imagine yourself sitting in the kitchen of his friendship. Or in the dining room of his strength. 
Let's take a moment just to let ourselves just be there. Hands down, palms down. The living room of friendship. Kitchen of friendship. Dining room of his strength. And now what we do is, with your palms facing down on your knees, we begin to imagine ourselves letting go of any and everything that God's heart is asking us to let go of. Understand that your hands are an extension of your heart's. We hold on to things with our hearts maybe more tightly than we do with our hands. But right now you are surrounded by the heart of God. God's presence is all about you. Every time you pray, God's presence is all about you. Just imagine the things that you're letting go. Maybe you're placing those things on the coffee table in the living room. Maybe you're putting them on the kitchen table or in the sink or on the dining table. Whatever you need to let go, let it be released from your heart and down off of your hands. Maybe some of us feel like we have sticky hands. Maybe some of us feel like we have Velcro. Imagine the stickiness being washed off. Imagine the Velcro losing its effectiveness like it always does. As everything you need to let go is let go. Remember, you are in the living room of God's heart. You're in the kitchen of his friendship. You're In the dining room of his strength, what you let go of is not lost. The fear that we have of losing things, they are not lost. But they are finally being found in God's heart. And God will know exactly what to do with the things that you are letting go of. Now when you're ready, Turn your palms up. And in your mind, in your heart, tell Jesus, my hands are empty. My hands are open to what you have for me. My hands are empty. My heart is open to what you have for me. And just see what God asks for you. This is a conversation conversation of openness. Settle in. Just rest. Receive. Abide. Okay. So I'll take a deep breath. Exhale and open our eyes. That's one.
For some of us, that's worth the price of admission. You're going to go home and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've never done that before. But you can do this anywhere. You can be driving in your car and you can have one hand on your knee. You can be at work, hands open, typing on a keyboard, thinking about what you're letting go of. Hmm. All right. That was hands up, or hands down, hands up, or palms down, palms up. Now we're going to do a breathing prayer. Uh, this has words involved. Um, so whereas the first one is just thinking and being present uh, through prayer to what God wants you to let go of, this one actually involves words. We don't say them out loud because we're breathing at the same time. It becomes difficult to say words while you're breathing in, but they are phrases that, that we will think with our mind. When we breathe in, we think a short sentence, and as we breathe out, what we do is we think and pray a response to that sentence. We breathe in, we breathe out. And um, as some of you may have noticed, we're always praying, or we're always breathing, so we can always be praying. Okay? So with this kind of prayer, what we want to do is we want to keep it simple. We want that first sentence to be shorter than the second uh, what's recommended historically, this, this kind of prayer goes back centuries and centuries, but what's recommended, and I'm not completely sure why, some people think that it has to do with um, your heart rate, some people have to do with just what, um, how long our breath in is compared to out, but we're aiming for about five syllables in and eight syllables out. And so something like this, you could pray on the way in saying, you are my true friend. And on the way out, I will trust in you fully. In, you are my true friend. I will trust in you fully. So let's, um, let's do that, that one together a few times, and then I'm going to encourage you to write your own, and then we'll practice that, okay? So I'll say you are my true friend, and as I'm saying that, you breathe in and think that sentence, hold it, and then I'll say, and I will trust in you fully, and we'll breathe out together, okay? Ready? You are my true friend, and I will trust in you fully. You are my true friend, and I will trust in you fully. You are my true friend, and I will trust in you fully. In that passage in John where Jesus is teaching them about abiding, he tells them, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Now let's take a moment on your own, wherever you are, and think of your own prayer. They don't have to be five and eight. You could say, I can feel afraid, but I will trust in you, Jesus. You could say, you feel far away, but you are closer than I know. You could say, I didn't sleep well last night. I will receive rest from your heart today. In a way, let the second sentence be a response or a fulfillment of the first sentence. Okay? Take some time. You think of your own, and you breathe in and out on your own pace. We'll just take a couple minutes here to practice this.
Mine was on the way in saying, I fall in old habits. On the way out saying, you make me a new creation. Anyone have a prayer, the in and out that you'd like to share? Might be helpful to someone else. You are my comfort, I will rest in you. So we have two practices now. Two practices that we can do pretty much anywhere, almost any time. Hands down, hands up, palms down, palms up, and a breathing prayer, okay? This last exercise dates back to the four or 500s, and ironically, in Latin, it means sacred reading. But I promise, it's not just reading Scripture. It is a prayer exercise that's connected back to Scripture, which I think is a good bridge as we leave the idea of abiding prayer. Next week, we begin to talk about reading Scripture. It's called Lectio Divina. This practice includes praying and Scripture at the same time, and I want to explain how it's going to work. What's going to happen is I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, if you were to do this at home, you could print out or write out some, a, a passage and then you would read through it once and then there's four times, there's four phases of Lectio Divina, okay? First time that I read it, we just listen. Just listen to the scripture being read. But even more, listen for what God might be saying in your heart. It doesn't have to be a word from the scripture. It doesn't have to be a phrase. It can be... God might just want to say something to you in your heart. Maybe feels unrelated, but listen to the scripture and let God just be present in your heart. The second time I read it, listen for a word or a phrase from the scripture that, stick, that sticks out specifically. Especially if it connects to what God was saying in your heart the first time. Yeah? And then what you do is we'll give time for you to just pray that word or that phrase back to God. Repeat it to yourself. As you pray that phrase, begin to think, what is God bringing to your heart and mind because of that phrase, because of that word? How is God speaking as you pray the third time through reading the passage? Expand on what God has been showing you and begin a conversation Back and forth. What do you want to say to God? Because of what has been sticking out. What do you feel like God is saying in response? And the last time I read the passage, just settle. Abide in prayer. Let whatever the Lord has been having a conversation with you about be refined down into quiet rest, into a peaceful mind. Okay, so this is Lectio Divina. The first time, just listen. See what God says in your heart. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we 
also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Just be aware of what God might be saying in your heart as a result of that passage. Now as I read the same passage, again, what word or phrase sticks out that you want to stop and rest with? Repeat that word or phrase to yourself as you pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Meditate on what stuck out. Repeat it. Pray it. What do you feel like God is bringing to your heart, to your mind, because of that phrase, because of that part of Scripture? As I read it a third time, expand on what God has been showing you and go deeper into a conversation with God about what is sticking out. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Continue your conversation with God. This last time I read the passage again, just settle in, abide, rest quietly, calm your mind and heart, sit, prayerful peace. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debtors debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but 
Deliver us from the evil one. And say with me, amen, amen. So three practices. Turn our hands down, let go, turn our palms up and receive. We can breathe in, breathe out, response. And then we can take scripture and we can pray through that scripture and what sticks out, what God is speaking to us, how we can have a conversation with God because of that passage and then let it bring us to a place of peace and rest. So what do we do with this? We take these ideas and we remind ourselves, I know how to pray. Prayer is not something that only happens in one place, but his presence goes with us wherever we go. That conversation is always available because we do not abide in prayer or in God in a building. We abide in his presence at all times. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these practices. I pray that we would be brave. We would be brave about how we practice our prayer, the way that we dive in, the way that we mm, sink into the couch of prayer with you, the way that we belly up to the bar so that we can take conversation with you in way we stand side by side and wash the dishes with you, the way that we partake of a meal, the way that you did on the night that you were betrayed. Remind us that you are always present to us, that we can remain, we can settle, we can stay, we can lodge, we can rest, we can abide in prayer with you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.